darling, with the young ones And the young ones shouldn't be afraid While the flame is strong Cause we may not be the young ones Very long Tomorrow While we until tomorrow Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 14 of the Young Animal Gatherum. This week, eh, we get five books, but uh, we're not all that happy with any of them. Uh, well, one of them is okay. Uh, this week, uh, the worm kind of turns, and uh, maybe it's our cynicism, maybe we're just uh, fatigued by the weirdness, but uh, it seems like our demeanor toward these books changes, so uh, I want to give you all fair warning that we're not, uh, we're not the happiest of campers during this, uh, this little visit here. Uh, if, uh, if you have a problem with the dirty language, uh, we... Uh, it ain't as clean as usual this week, so uh, there's a, there's some fair warning for you. Uh, we really don't like being, you know, the negative show, but uh, we're also not going to lie to you and tell you we like something we don't. Uh, it's just not the way we do things. Uh, the ep- issues we're going to discuss today are Shade the Changing Woman number 2, and that originally aired on the Weird Science DC Comics podcast on April 8th, 2018. From there, we go to Eternity Girl number 2. That originally aired on April 15th, 2018. Then we'll jump over to Cave Cawson has an Interstellar Eye number two. That originally aired on April 22nd, 2018. Then we'll wrap the whole thing up with a, a twofer. We have Mother Panic, Cotham AD number two, and Doom Patrol number 11. And those both originally aired on April 29th, 2018. Like I said, the worm has turned, and uh, we're only a little bit away from getting that news that uh, kind of puts starts hammering those nails into the young animal uh, line here. Uh, we'll be discussing that more next week, and I hope you stick around to uh, join us for that. See ya. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Oh, I need you. You need me. Oh, my darling, can't you see young to the Young Animal segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have one, count them, one Young Animal title to read for you. What is that one, Chris? Oh, we're moving into month two of season two with Shade the Changing Woman, number two. This is Time's Arrow by Cecil Castellucci, Marley Zarcone, Andy Parks, and Kelly Fitzpatrick. And we open... With Rack, we're going to call him Rack and her Shade. I think that, that's, I figure that'll, that's okay, yes. <laughs> that'll keep us a little bit uh, less confused. Yeah. Uh, but no guarantees. <laughs> uh, now, Rack and Shade, they're hanging out in the madness of Earth, and they are sharing some purple prose and uh, overusing some cliche turns of phrase. Uh, now, Rack leads Shade to a pair of doors. One is, na- one is labeled now, and the other is labeled then. 
We then shift scenes to Valleyville. And we have a creepy, like, punky-looking young man. He knocks on the door of the Boyer home. That's uh, Megan Boyer, her parents' house. And the dog starts going, you know, barking like mad. Um, When the mother answers the door, he informs his, quote, mommy that they're home. Uh, we go back to the madness, and it looks like both doors that he's that uh, Shade's been led to have opened, and on the other side, they're labeled now plus then. Uh, I would call it a dirty trick if I could be bothered to care. He pulled an old switcheroo on her, although I would have liked mm-hmm. it better if they was called now and later. Yes, that delicious. Been, get me more into the candy. So uh, Shade is kind of, she goes into like space-ish background and floats towards River, who is dramatically distressed, pressed up against his dorm room door. She sort of like floats into his existence. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, she's like, she goes from inky blackness to the interior of his room in one panel. Uh, And he's less than pleased to be visited by Shade. Tells her to go visit Teacup or something because he has a, a lot in his life has changed dramatically. First... He's got himself a boyf. And is there a reason we're calling mm-hmm. him a boyf? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, second, he and his boyf are part of an inter- interdimensional Minuteman task force that blows the whistle on alien visitations, which would include Shade, uh, technically mm-hmm. speaking. Even she, though she is his favorite alien. That's right. And he's, he's essentially covering for her right here. So, yes. you know, he, things, are, things are working out cool. Uh, she leaves and observes River and his boyfriend through some monitors or windows, whatever. They're also labeled there, then, now, and now, then. And uh, these pages are beginning to feel like repurposed collages a bit. It's, uh, but yeah. this, this sort of revisits a visit that she did to River last issue, right? Isn't this, mm-hmm. I feel like this was like the continuation of that. Uh, Maybe, but I don't know if it's the same because they're playing fast and loose with time. So that's it's the, like, that's the, the is whole, this the same? Right. Yeah, you're right. It could be much later. Uh, this, that's basically the, the, what's going on in this issue is we keep going. I wouldn't even say back and forth, just sort of through time just around. Yeah, uh, back in the dorm, though, River and uh, what's his face, his boy, they chat and decide to visit the mothership and check out some aliens. Yes, now we hop back into the madness and we get some more collage pages. Rack presents Shade with some super deep papercraft of empty hearts. He's trying to tell her to let go of her heart uh, very subtly. Um, yeah. Now she, she protests that she needs her heart. And then we move on to some more memories of, that she has of her time with her Earth pals and how she came to realize what it means to love. Now we're back at the Boyers and the creepy visitor, the red-haired one, uh, lashes out turning into a shadowy bird thing and maybe seems to kill Megan's parents. <laughs> There's blood. Uh, it, it, there is, uh, you know, it definitely is the Alfred Hitchcock version of someone getting killed, but we yes. can't say for sure. Uh, I, I would say that this is, it's got to be Megan in someone else's body. The original Megan, who was kind of the mean girl that Loma took over when she got the shade jacket, right? This is, and I agree with you, Chris. It's gotta be, yeah. It's right. gotta be. Uh, although the bird seems to imply that Loma is an avian presence. Yeah, avian presence is in there, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting. That I means she's gone from like mean teenager to like full on murderous sociopath. sociopath. So yeah. it's, uh, it's it's like her her uh, strictures have been peeled away or whatever. But we'll see. We'll Indeed. find out eventually. Now we hop back to the madness, and we get 31 flavors of Give Up Your Heart. Uh, then an astronaut shows up, sure. and it turns out to be Wes. Now, Rack uses Wes as a way of telling Shade how painful love can be. And then a flashback to Loma and Lepuck, and Loma, I think, uh, 
uh, honey rich as shade. Uh, let's take a look. Yep, looks like they're all together there. It's like, it's, is it is it Loma as honey rich or is it shade as honey? Rich? It, it seems to switch back and forth in this like between two panels right here. Yeah, it's honey, it's shade as honey rich and then shade not as honey rich. After that, holding a teacup. It's all very. It's all very uh, esoteric. Esoteric is a good word for it. Sure. <laughs> Uh, then we're off to visit to Cupcake, which is what I called her in a DM. <laughs> Teacup. Teacup is the name of her friend, whoever she is. Uh, Teacup isn't pleased to see Shade. She feels betrayed from having been left flat a few years prior. And, uh, I mean, she makes it seem like it was several years. She looks yeah, uh, quite a bit older. And, like, yeah, she's Shade she's is showing up, least, yeah. like, way later down the line. And she's she's annoyed. She's like, you know, if you had come to me years ago, I was dying for that to happen. But now... Mm-hmm. I've moved past it, and now you're just being a uh, pain in my tuchus. So uh, then a page of Shade learning the uh, friendship flap dance. I don't really, this is sort of a weird page, but uh, I did like the Art Deco lettering. Sure. And uh, then another uh, collage for you. We hop back to the madness, and Rack shows Shade the hole in his own chest, where his own heart used to be. And then he hands her... His maybe dead blackened heart seems like it. Yeah. And then they step into a giant heart, 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 heart. And by the heart, way, th- these, this these hearts look like the organ heart, like not, human hearts. Yeah, yeah not, not, not like not, a butt, not Valentine's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now we hop back to Valleyville and we rejoin the visitor, who I think confirms our suspicions that uh, he did murder the boyers because he just set their house on fire. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> the dog is uh, wanting to accompany him, her, whoever they are, uh, but is kicked away. Um, he's also surrounded by these teeny tiny madness paisleys. So uh, this uh, this is a an amalgamation, perhaps, of a whole lot of stuff that we've uh, covered in the first volume. Maybe it's like the stink left from Loma separating from Megan. You know, Megan has a it little bit be. of Loma, a little bit of uh, madness on her, or something like this. Uh, it definitely is intriguing. Uh, you it know. is. I, I want to know where that goes much more than this kind of like interminable discussion between Ugh, Shade and Rack yeah. that keeps going on. Uh, <laughs> then there's a backup that I totally forgot what the heck. Well, we about. also we wrap we wrap up oh, the right. story at the DCHE. Now this is that mothership. As right. a, what, did we ever get a name for River's boyfriend? I uh, flipped through and it's like it, it, I, I just call him maybe what's last face? issue, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> I he's the RA of to the floor too, right? I remember that. <laughs> But uh, now there uh, we have River and What's-His-Face. They see all the captive aliens of the DCHE, and it looks like we might even have some avians That's in uh, right. the cells here. That's right. They're definitely they look like a couple of Loma types over there, and uh, as well as a bunch of very generalized ones that look nothing like any. Yeah, I mean, it might have been some ghosts. Big ghosts. I mean, it's almost, almost like it's like uh, infantile. I mean, it looks like cereal marshmallows. I, I feel like here, but you know, believe me, this is not the uh, thing to hang your hat on to say the issue is <laughs> is bad for it. But you could have put a couple of DC things in here. Yeah, put right? a Dominator you know, in there. Yeah, <laughs> something, you know, throw a Durlin, I don't know, you know, like, have a good... A chameleon kid? Yeah, yeah. like, you know, I just, just, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you gotta throw a Green Lantern in there, but, you know, go, go a little out of, your, out of pocket, throw some mm-hmm. old-school aliens in there, there's a whole lot of them out there, throw a, throw a member of the Spider-Clan in there, you know, we can have a good time with that, but, uh, whatever, I mean, that, that was not a, uh, obviously the point of the scene is to focus it on the avians, that's the, uh... Sure, I'm guessing. <clears throat> the heart of it, so, uh, that was interesting. I guess that's a thing. 
Then there was the backup that I've totally forgotten every detail about. I know that uh, Hellboy's sister is there yeah. and seems to be, like I guess, saying why madness would be a great uh, military tool. Asset, yeah. And uh, it looks all right. I have no problems with the look of it. Everything looks cool. I actually like the color palette they used. It looks very like Cold War, uh, you know, magenta sure. purples and stuff. But, uh, you know, it is just the backup. So, Chris, mm-hmm. what would you think? Um, you know, like like you you went you started earlier saying that there are things that we do care about in here. Yeah. Uh like I do want to see what happens with River and his you know the dichotomous he's a you know he's a whistleblower but at the same time he still clearly has some sort of feeling for Megan be- or right. Shade because he's covering for her. So uh, there's going to be some stuff there we're going to be dealing with. We've got the the cupcake bit with right. Uh, right. with uh, what's her face and uh and then we have the uh, this amalgamated shade Loma Megan right. arsonist. So, I mean, we have these, like, really interesting spurs, but we spent most of this issue in friggin' madness going through this ridiculous purple prose and just this, like, it read like, a, like an 11th grade creative writing assignment. It was just... Yeah. I, I don't forget, I don't forget the puck turned into a Green Lantern last issue, which is something I'm still very much learning. Yes, and we haven't seen, there. didn't see him at all here, uh, except for in a flashback. Except for in a flashback. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's definitely true, that the the, the seeds that this uh, issue centered around were the least interesting. Absolutely. Uh, her and Rack Shade. I, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, and I think that that's a... They're setting up something herring. here. I don't know if you call it a red herring. You know, it's it's supposed to show that, to, to, in my mind, that Shade is not an altruistic. She's a narcissist, you know what I mean? And so sure. uh, hanging out with Rack Shade, it was Rack Shade, also somewhat of a narcissist. They kind of get into their own little, in their heads, and it kind of yeah, is the way house world, yeah. madness is. If anyone's ever had to talk to a uh, schizophrenic or a, you know, someone that's disturbed sometimes one of the most frustrating things is how everything revolves around them you know what i mean every every little thing is a sign that you know the universe is speaking to them or something and you're just like buddy you know what i mean enough please uh (laughs) and and so that's what i looked at here i mean and and my reasoning for that is like you say there's so many obvious cliches i mean it's it's, cliches this is this is not treading new uh insights going on and and i (laughs) i hope and have to think that cecil castellucci knows that uh, that being said, there's too much of it. You know what I mean? There is. It's it's overwhelming. Yeah. I happen to have a penchant for stories in general that play around with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have like that, and I'd say this one is like sixty percent successful. Fifty, you know, <laughs> fifty-five. Because you know what I mean? Like it's a tough. Because there's a, still rules. I mean, there still yeah. should be rules when you're messing with time. And here, I mean, I'm looking for any kind of life raft to hold on to because it, it's like. Where the hell are we? When the hell are we? Who the hell are we? That it's 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 such a tight it's such a weird tightrope to walk because yeah. you you are trying to be somewhat conf- you know part of the joy of a story of that is that it's going to be a little bit hard to untangle but sure. you don't want to either be so obtuse so as to make it impossible or to give which I think happened here give such little general information that it's irrelevant you know what I mean like the, exactly it's hard to even care the timing is is doesn't really matter so much you just sort of like. Still picking up the pieces, figuring out where people stand with uh, the main character. So it's about that successful, as a matter of fact. And, and actually, look, <laughs> looking at your score here, I'll let them know what your score is. You'll see that it's uh, 
about that successful. It is just about that successful. And uh, to go a little bit on on the uh, on hopefully this is, you know, a we're getting like some sort of a false lead, lead here where eventually Shade the girl is going to say, okay, enough of your crap. I'm, you know, I, yeah. I'm no longer idolizing Rack Shade because he's just a clown. Or even someone uh, or someone will point it out to her and be like, you know, enough for this. Megan, you drifted it out. You're, you're a pain in everyone's ass. Stop yeah, it, this, you know. Like, she'll have a moment of profundity and uh, yeah. see things clearly for once. But, I, I mean, after 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 we got that mother panic, I'm not that, I mean, that uh, Shade and Wonder Woman issue, I have very little. Still burned. <laughs> still feeling burned off of that. I'm yeah. still feeling burned about that. That might be the worst issue of any comic I've read in years. Yeah, it, but, was, uh, it was pretty pretty sad. But uh... and, and then also, it's like, if that does eventually happen, I mean, we're still paying $4 a book for this. Right. So it's like the payoff really needs to make everything else work. And at this point, I just don't care. Right. So it's like if an, if even next issue it happens, it's like we still spent $12 on this, right. and I just yeah. don't care about it. You're absolutely right. I mean, if that's where they're going, if the point is for someone to tell, I mean, it's just conjecture. If so, for someone to sure. tell Shade, knock it off with your esoteric bullshit. I don't want to hear it. You know, you got to mm-hmm. get your head back in the game. This would be the issue to make that happen because we already exactly. we already had an issue of her dicking of around weirdness. with Rack Shade. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, but like we said, I there are a lot of things that I am still interested in hanging on to sure. with this. Uh, like I say, I hope LePuck being Green Lantern turns out to be a... Something fun. Something fun. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So uh, what'd you give it on the site? Give it a six point five out of ten. It's uh, I usually start my grading at seven and then work up or down. So this one didn't go down far. Didn't go but, that uh, far. I, I gotta be honest. I, when I saw your score, I thought it was gonna be a lot worse when we talked about it. But uh, hmm. I'm glad. I'm almost right there with you. I think I would give it a seven. <laughs> uh, just nudge it up a little more. I think I just enjoyed the timey wimey a little bit more in general. But uh, you know, I definitely would not say that it worked. Flawlessly, you know. Uh, when I think of a, sure. of a book like that, and there are a lot of comics that have done it, and a lot of uh, stories, but like uh, obviously the um, issue four of Watchmen, right? Uh-huh. Isn't, that, isn't that the one the uh, John Ostringer goes to Mars, or is that three? Which one is that? Um, I don't remember. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Where he goes, it's, he goes, it's in the it's in the first half of Watchmen. Definitely, where, yeah. He, where, he, yeah. He leaves and goes to Mars and kind of relives his life. As you know, and then it gets into a point where it's all happening at one point. Anyway, like that that was the one that set up the visual cues being though the age of people's faces, mm-hmm. right? The settings that they're in. And we we couldn't have that here because no. I don't think the art is that is detailed enough to show us that kind of a thing. But prove me wrong, Marley Zarcon. <laughs> prove me wrong. Uh anyway, uh next week we have Eternity Girl number two, which is mm-hmm. in our hands, and I have not looked at it yet. But uh, it will be, we will talk about it. Hopefully this one will uh, grab Chris a little more uh, than maybe the first issue, or maybe it'll infuriate you more. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> well, I, I actually read the who's who on her a little bit yeah. on, the, on in the back of the book. She's supposed to be 35 years old. Are you kidding me? No. I thought she was a kid. She's supposed to be 35, and she's acting like a 15-year-old spoiled, petulant brat. Oh, I got news. I got a lot of 35-year-olds that do that, too. <laughs> really, that actually might be more true than... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this day and age. Do you want to, we want to, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that I didn't think, think was true, but all right. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah, I thought she was uh, a little younger than that, but... 
which is quite a big. Young she is in the in the uh, entertainment industry that tends to it's keep so them a little cool. young, you know. <laughs> but you also, also have another piece of news you want huge, to let the huge, people know. <laughs> huge news! You remember last week we said that the Doom Patrol was delayed again. Well, now we're a week later, and we're still just as many weeks away from Doom Patrol number eleven. It got pushed back another week. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I almost don't even want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, we'll see it when we see it. That's all I can say. I have no uh, hopes for this issue. I can't imagine giving this issue a fair score at this I point. Think we're going to give it an 11 out of 10, right? I mean, it will, it, I can't imagine what it would have to do to get above <laughs> a, for this site, <laughs> a fuck you five. You know what I mean? Like, really, it, fuck this book. Uh, and then the, the, uh, you know the trade got got unsolicited totally yep. out of mm-hmm. May, which I which I thought that the to put a trade together that soon after the last issue was probably unlikely anyway. Full suspect. Uh, yeah. I got a email from Amazon because I haven't pre ordered since whenever the hell it was first solicited, like yep. two years ago now or a year and a half ago. <laughs> uh, and they they said that the new release date was sometime early November, I think. But the, you know Amazon will often. Send a Budget. placeholder, yeah, yeah and then they'll, good news, we can get your items sooner than you thought, you know, and that kind of thing, so <laughs> I wouldn't put a lot on that. I, at this point, though, like I told Chris, just fucking bag it, dude, like, you know what I mean? You, yeah, put a bullet in it. You have failed, you have failed to complete this series. Uh, if you want those last four issues, let me tell you, go get the issues, because uh, I would I would bag it at this point. You know, the, the end of uh, Giffen and Clark's run, that was mm-hmm. supposed to be three trades, and never they solicited, never did the third trade. So they didn't do the final. If yeah. you want them, you got to get them comics, and that's how it is. It works in the game sometimes. They can't all be collected, but we know we'll be collected, Chris. We're not new to this game. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, because I've uh, I've received uh, I get like probably monthly emails because I order everything through uh, Discount Comic Book right. Service, and uh, I've been getting resolicits and reschedules on Doom Patrol number eleven for it feels like. Geez, since like last summer. <laughs> so oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, it was supposed to be out November so. of last year. That was the original time. So. Yeah. And which yeah, would have also be been <laughs> that would have been also accounting for previous delays that had occurred in the book. Absolutely. Uh, and it's uh, you couldn't have a worse failure. Now we're in the we're basically going to complete the second issues of the second season of Young Animal, and still we won't have the book that led into the thing that started the dem. Yeah. The and, flagship won't even have shown up. You do, I mean, you just put this here to get my blood pressure up. I'm telling you, this is, you know, my doctor said, Do I can't talk about Doom Patrol anymore. No, it drives no, me crazy. No more Doom Patrol. It's, uh, it, I mean, whatever, though. I mean, you know, when it comes out, if it comes out, we'll talk about it probably half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. I, could, I can't, couldn't be uh, can't more, invest. more yeah. disillusioned about a book right now. Like, who cares? Even, and, even Doomsday Clock is like, ah, that's annoying, but I know it'll probably be worth it worth it all all told right you know but so, so how how upset are you going to be when doom patrol number 11 ends with a to be continued oh i'll be furious <laughs> i'll be fucking furious yeah oh stay tuned for the further adventures get the fuck out of here future adventures future adventure you're fucking facing My ass. and you know this is uh this is something we talked about too what it would really I think makes me angry is like Doom Patrol is one of my favorite properties. So when it yep. comes out, I want it to do well. I want it to be good. And I want it to show up. <laughs> when something like this happens, I feel like they're going to put it in a box again for five years. You know, like we'll never, we're not going to see it again for a while. So maybe that's for the best. Maybe that's for the best. <laughs> but anyway, Chris, I think that's all we got for him. And I definitely have to go, uh, you know, 
take a uh, amyl nitrate or something like this to calm myself down. Uh, you got anything else for him? No, no, I think that's uh, until next until next week's Doom Patrol delay. I think that's, that's all we've got. <laughs> until your next the weekly Doom Patrol de- delay with Chris and Reggie. We're just gonna have to write our own fan fiction for number eleven. I think I'd be fine with me. I I. I'm all run their heads into a brick wall at this point, there I think. Like, and then they they all, the it was all a dream, you know. We went, <laughs> went back to the Gifford and Clark run. Anyway, folks, I'm going to tell you all to keep it young and animalistic. I had visions, I was in them, I was looking into the mirror. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and this week we have one that is one young animal book for you for us to read to you and that is eternity girl number two written by magdalene visaggio art by sunny lou and chris chuckry so we open this book up and uh caroline is she's trying to call director sloan of alpha 13 that's the program that disfigured her in the beginning and gave her those powers, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his voice mailbox is full, even after several tries. I mean, if, you know, if you call a number and the mailbox is full, it's probably not going to be emptied five minutes later, right? You probably know? not. I'd give, no. it a, I'd give it at least an hour, i got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> Caroline, then she's sitting on the toilet. She meditates and dissipates like she did last issue, though. I'm still not clear what's happening when she does that, but... Uh, <laughs> In that time, she seems to dream that she has to get through to Sloan, that, that she gets through to Sloan on the phone, and he's immediately and utterly apologetic to her, and then even welcomes her emerging through his phone for revenge. He's like, oh, this is what I deserve. That's great. Uh, but it was all just a dream. So in frustration, Caroline cracks the screen of, of her phone with one hand. Yes, it looks like the bottom corner of her face. Um, Now, later, in her more human-looking guise, Caroline prepares for a night out. She's heading out with her friend Danny, who's got tickets to a New York comedy club, and tonight's headliner is Sam Nara. Sam Nara, we come to find out, is a short, rotund woman who has glasses and a pageboy haircut. Uh, her bit uh, seems to be about uh, you know body positivity, accepting her fatness. I yep. guess uh, being proud of what was it, eating an entire bag of Doritos or something, something like this. Something uh, but the thing about it is, this is a comedy club. 
I, I did my own body. Where were the jokes? I didn't really get it, but okay. <laughs> Comedy is subjective, right? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Caroline, much like us, is bored by this routine, and uh, we don't blame her. No. Uh, she shifts reality and makes everything look all sorts of wacky. Which actually, I don't blame her for that either. I probably would do the same thing I mean, if I could. Just to you pass know. the time. Just, right? let, me get, yeah. let me just move things along here. Spoken word. <laughs> At that moment in space, Caroline's hanging out with Madam Adam on this spaceship filled with some very Kirby-looking machinery. Not as Kirby'd out as Kirby, but definitely an homage to his style. Uh, Madam Adam still insists on calling Caroline by her superhero name, Chrysalis. She says Chrysalis is the only version of Caroline in the multiverse that can control it. Or something like that, right? I, I think that's what she's getting at. Uh, they gaze through a window at some Kirby space also. Some nice dots and miasma, whatever. You know the deal. If you've seen it, you know it. Madam Adam says that on a nameless planet at the center of existence is a big pillar. And upon this pillar rests the multiverse and all reality. And they're going to just they're going to destroy it. And in doing so... Will finally extinguish Caroline's life, and not just this Caroline, but every Caroline throughout the multiverse. And uh, we see one that's a cyborg, one that's an astronaut, one in an evening gown. It's like a, got all the many flavors of uh, chrysalis Caroline going on. Oh, and also everyone else's existence will cease when they break the pillar too. Well, there is that. Yeah, there is. Uh, that. Now we we zip back to the New York Comedy Club, and Caroline is get this. Unhappy. Uh, she didn't have a good time, and uh, frankly, neither did we. Uh, Danny thought it would be uh, good for Caroline to hear other people vent about their problems. But Caroline points out that Sam Nara's problems are not quite as dire as hers. Uh, Sam Nara has a uh, sitcom, actually, apparently. Um now, as Danny and Caroline argue, Caroline reveals more of her deformity, and flecks of some green goo are suspended in the air around them. Danny tells Caroline that she gets off on being miserable, that maybe she doesn't want to be happy. And so Caroline leaves in a huff and go grabs, goes to grab a cab. She asks the cabbie to take her to Great Neck, which would be about a half hour from Manhattan. Yeah, 40 or 50 bucks easily. I don't know. Mm. I don't know about today's money. Frankly, it could be $60, $70. Sure. Uh, now, back in space, Caroline and Madam Adam reach Atralis, the guardian of the nameless planet. He's definitely Kirby inspired, sort of like oh, yeah. if Galactus got a facelift to have here. And it's pretty much like yeah, Galactus body. If Galactus and joined like, the new gods. It's, it's like, it, it almost looks yeah. like that. Or like a Galactus had a Micronauts face and got some new yeah. god stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Caroline zooms out to Ashless in a jetpack and then takes him apart with her like uh, uh, like her eternity power, I guess. I'm not sure, sure what the hell it sure. is, but okay. <laughs> Over in Great Neck, Long Island, Caroline arrives as de- de- at director Stephen Sloan's private residence. Despite the lateness of the hour, she pounds on his front door and he and his wife show up, clearly roused out of bed. He's in his underwear and a t-shirt. She's in a robe. Uh, director Sloan tells his wife to go back upstairs. It's just a friend from work. But Caroline's a pissed, not feeling very friendly. And before Sloane's wife can leave, wraps him in a red tentacle. Uh, she feels he is responsible for turning her into a freak and leaving her with nothing. This whole scene is intermingled with Caroline destroying Ast- Astralis, so there's sort of a collusion between the two, uh, getting more frenetic and crazy. Caroline gets really wild-eyed and angry in this. Uh, and in the end, Caroline has destroyed the Sloane's home and walks away with the multiversal pillar looming over the horizon behind her. Hmm, so, Hmm. did the realities blend? Perhaps. Uh, Do we care? (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not, maybe. (laughs) I have have 
uh, pangs of caring. Does that make Perhaps. sense? You know what I mean? Like, sure, I, there's sure. something. There's, there's something there. There's almost like a, 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 a muscle memory of caring of, of a story. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but this one is, you know, I'm still. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I like a lot about this book, Chris. Mm-hmm. No backup. That is true. That's because yeah, nice. she was usually the backup lately. So she was the <laughs> backup. Uh, but this is this is something. At least it was written cover to cover, folks. So uh, we true. we like that. And uh, was Bug also? Did Bug have backups? Bug did not have. Oh, yes. that was another mini. Did it? I'm trying to I think. don't remember. I don't. I don't think it did. I okay. or if it did, you know, sometimes we don't get the backups. They're that fucking late. In the, in the... <laughs> uh, or whatever the fuck happened. But I don't think. I don't think they had backups. The Bug, mm-hmm. but uh, this doesn't have backups, and doesn't look like it. It will have backups. It seems like there is a story unfolding here, you know, sure. a plan, which mm-hmm. I, I like to see. Uh, but it's it's really seems it's it's really being parceled out in uh, dull ways. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I put sure. this. You know, if, if the stuff going on in space was so enthralling that the juxtaposition of what was happening on Earth. Or whatever the hell the other dimension, you know, you know what we're trying yeah. to say here. It's hard to say exactly what's even happening here, but the stuff with Madame Adam was so interesting that the other stuff could kind of like exist as a counterpart. That would be one thing, but it's sort of like boredom in space, boredom it's on both, Earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's different it's levels like, of dullness. Yeah, where 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 do you want to be bored now? You know, I the ending was the was the best part. Uh, that was the part where I was like, sure. okay, something just happened here. I'm not sure. What it was, I don't know if the pillar being on this in the same plane as the director Sloan was alleg- uh, an allegory or what, or if it was literal, yeah, literal. Uh, but what do you think, Chris? I, I've done enough yapping about it. <laughs> um, you know, like we said, there's something here. Uh, I'm, I when I read this, I'm I really think about Mother Panic early on, where there's a story here and there's an audience for this. I just don't think I'm that audience. Um, uh, you know, I want to say a lot of bad things about it, but I can't because it's this isn't being written for uh, you know a thirty seven year old dude. It's it's this is a this is a, it takes me back to when you know when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old reading self indulgent shit from sure. Oni Press. You know, yeah, where it's oh, like, yeah. oh, this is just mundane daily crap where people hate their lives and you know that that whole mythical quarter life crisis thing that people try to press. In a lot of ways, you... this is very much like early vertigo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sandman, oh, all that early indulgent stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what the hell was that thing we talked about? The Piranha Press thing. Ugly stories yeah. for ugly stories. For, you know, beautiful stories, stories for, for ugly, ugly children. children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was another like pet project that we you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you might have hit the nail on the head that like. Mm. Maybe that's my muscle memory I'm talking about. I remember. And I, I totally this. get this. You know what I yeah. mean? I remember being a person that could have really enjoyed the heck out of this. I really sink your teeth into just it. Not really that person anymore. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I really feel like I have to take it on the merits of uh, comedy. The nuts and bolts. The nuts and yeah. bolts. Yeah, the storytelling and everything. And in that, in that way, it's okay. It's not great. It's- it's still boring. It but has it, it, the pieces are there. It has you know what I mean. It, it has a uh, chronology, and even though we're we're going kind of like back and forth between dimensions or realities or whatever, I hopefully we'll learn more of the real nature of what that is. It's it's <laughs> not difficult to follow, which would be the first to knock. You know, if you can't follow a comic, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, but it definitely it definitely is you know kind of indulgent. Kind of is about you know 
uh, it, it reminds me of like being a teenager, you know, fuck, fuck the world, blow up the world, yeah. you know, that kind of attitude is being evinced here. And uh, if you feel that way, if you are an, an adult or a teen or anywhere in between, and you feel that way, good. <laughs> uh, I think you just said something there where, you know, we have this character who's literally going to destroy the world where, yeah. you know, kids, kids who think the world's out to get them, just say F the world and hate the world, wish everyone was dead. And here we have a character who's actually going to go about that. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's 35 years old. And, and um, in a dispassionate, you know, kind of cool way. In a, I mean, yeah, like, in a throwaway like, kind of way. Whatever, yeah, I'll do it. It's <laughs> cool. It's like, uh, I mean, whatever, her being 35. I mean, remember when we were kids, Superman was 35. Remember back then? So uh, he was somewhere Imagine. in there. I always, I, thought I always put him, him in, uh, most heroes were in their early, mid-30s in my mind, so. Yeah, they were whatever age my father was when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, so I guess that's about right. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, you know, it took me about three or four tries to get through this because it it is indulgent. It is dull. Um, when I got to that stand up comedy act, it was just like, what am I reading? Um, it feels like. You know the very worst of Tumblr, given you know four color flesh. It's well, uh, you know, and I just can't. I can't wrap my head around that. I, I like I'm saying there is an audience for it, and I'm sure they really dig it. And I really can't hold what I don't like against it because this isn't for me. I mean, what Sab Nara was saying was supposed to be self indulgent crap, but the, my problem was it was. Why are we reading it? <laughs> it wasn't funny. I was just like you know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, any spoken word you go to is going to be un- uncomfortable and shitty. It's always about. My mom took my puppy or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? First period. Yeah, yeah. All, all types of stuff like this. But uh, I was like, why is she at a comedy club? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a way. There's a way to this self-deprecating humor. So, you know what I mean? You could use. And it wasn't funny. And, it's, and then to hear she had a sitcom, I was like, God, that must be a sh- shitty sitcom. Don't watch this. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, maybe that could be the backups coming up. Oh yeah, I gotta can't wait. Well, you know this the is Sam this, show. this is a six issue mini, I, and I really do think that it has a end. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that this it's got to. Uh, yeah. and, and so far, two issues in, I get the impression that that it is paced it's on out. A, it's on a map, yeah. Yeah, but believe me, it can go off the fucking rails very quickly uh, by the next issue. So we'll have to find out. I mean, I mean, some of these minis I've been so burned on these, Chris, where it's like, oh, this Absolutely. is pretty good. And the fourth issue, it's two people sitting around stalk, talking in a diner the whole time. I'm like, what the talking hell happened? Talking about the last three issues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, remember those issues you bought? We'll just recap them right here for you. <laughs> remember that 20 bucks you just spent? Yeah, that was useless. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I ended up giving this, and I feel good about this, a 7 out of 10. I feel like it's a pretty, uh, you know, if, if subject matter appeals to you, you would go higher. If sure. if it infuriates you, you would go lower. But I feel like this is a comic that is it works. It tells a story. It's not hard to figure out the pieces of it, and uh, you can enjoy it on those merits. What about you, Chris? Well, as you know, I started a seven and work up or down, and uh, at, when I finished, it was a net negative. So oh. I will drop it to a six point five. All right, fair enough. It's my scientific method. That is <laughs> my scientific <laughs> method. Is hmm, I wonder. Mm, yeah. Uh, so that's basically how I do it. Uh, next week, though, we have another book, don't we, Chris? We do. We've got Cave Casson with the Interstellar Eye number two. Yeah, and that uh, we've one, got it in our grubby hands. We know it exists. We are holding it, so we don't have to wonder. And uh, so we'll be back next week to do that. Why don't we love? We well. We liked the last issue a lot. That was probably our yeah. favorite of the uh, 
of the season month, two launch. of the yeah. month. So uh, we'll see how that goes when we come back to it. As for the other book, we will not speak of it until it exists. We don't have an update, do we? We don't have an update, and we will. That's you know, a good sign, right? <laughs> technically speaking, the nineteenth or eighteenth, whatever day, whatever Wednesday that is, we should have it, but. Well, the 18th is next week. It's the, it was pushed back another. So. Oh, whatever. So whatever the following whatever Wednesday is. is yeah. 24th. 25th? Yeah. yeah, something like this. Uh, we'll see, though. We should not even speak it's... its name. We will just see what happens. So with, with that being said, Chris, I think that's all we got from the Gaming House Forum. Yeah, that'll do it. Well, until next week, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. See ya. My makeup is dry and it my I'm drowning my sorrows in whiskey and segment on the dccomics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have one very spaced out young animal book for you this week. It is Cape Carson has an interstellar eye, number two, written by John Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming, Nick Filardi, and Paul Mayberry. He does the backup. So uh, we opened this issue at a Star Adam concert. Remember, that was the Prince-looking fella that uh, imploded last issue, and uh, we have to assume, therefore, this is in the past, right? I would say before that happened. Before he imploded, probably, uh, yeah. Most likely. I, that, would, that, would be, <laughs> that would be my guess. Uh, he's playing this amazing-looking guitar that I, I, I can't even... The body of it is like a shape I've never seen before. Uh, using a star as a pick, and uh, it turns out to be a reminiscence, this whole thing, by a fella named Zot, and that's not the Scott McCloud Zot, just a... No. That just happens to be the same name. He stands on his planet watching stars implosion in the sky, and uh, looks pretty normal. He's uh, got lightning streaks down the side of his, sides of his face, and uh, his skin is very orange, but otherwise he looks pretty normal. girl named Grange comes running over, and she also has light on her face and kind of a Princess Leia hairdo. Both of them have pink jewels in their foreheads right above their brows. And uh, she says the Nejire. That's how I'm going to say it, Chris. Is that is that work? I think for you? that's right. All right, yeah. thank you. <laughs> we, didn't, we, <laughs> we didn't collaborate on this before, but I think Nejire. We're going to go that way. Are readying their attack. So Zod tells his folks, the Laser Monks, to hop on their steeds and ride to battle. And these steeds are look kind of like giant squirrels, right? Giant blue yeah, squirrels yeah. or something. Uh, now into that pocket dimension in that is inside Cave Cybernetic Eye, which is where they all absconded to as the star imploded last issue. Uh, this is, remember, where he keeps the Mighty Mole. It really looks like a garage in there, basically. Like, they're yeah. sitting in this garage. Uh, and where he, Chloe, and Dr. Mark Barstow fled when Star Adam imploded, they're hanging out, drinking coffee. And Barstow advises that they're about to crash land on a planet. 
Now, on the surface of said planet, a fierce war rages between the Nijiri and the laser monks. They fight by zapping lasers at each other from the jewels in their foreheads. The Najiri, who are bigger and brawnier, also have these forehead crystals. Uh, and Najiri is about to strangle Zot to death, which would probably put quite a primp, uh, quite a crimp in the laser monk's plans. Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's got to be the general or something of this whole operation or some kind of a yeah, he's, captain. He looms, or, yeah, <laughs> uh, Then the uh, cybernetic eye zips through the Najiri guy's head, exploding it. <laughs> Which is handy. Uh, yeah. Cave, Chloe, and Dr. Bosto step from a portal, and the laser monks are mighty happy to see them. Or see Cave, anyway. Mm. Uh, now, it seems that they think uh, his coming is part of a prophecy. And uh, Cave thinks that they know him from his very popular 12-subscriber podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, the laser monks think that he is the progenitor uh, who left them eons ago, but promised to come back from the outer realm. So uh, the laser monks, they're keepers of myth and prophecy, one of them explains, and the Najire are, like, not that. They're sowers of chaos (laughs) and evil or whatever the hell else. Uh, Chloe has to hear their story. Immediately, Cave begins spacing out. Uh, While the tale is told, he remembers recording Adam Starr one time. He used his voice in such a way that it blew Cave's clothing off. Uh, Mm -hmm. The story of the laser monks and Najire is written beneath his daydream, but rendered in such a way it's clearly not vital. Uh, the Najiri and the laser monks fight, and they have been fighting for a long time, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Now, they want Cave to fulfill their prophecy and deliver the laser monks to glory, which I would, I would assume would be their prophecy. Uh, but Cave isn't interested in space politics. <laughs> uh, he is interested in the pink jewel that's embedded in the laser monks' foreheads, and he snatches one right out of some guy's head, asks if he can examine it, and then without getting an answer, uses his cybernetic eye uh, to just go right looking at it. Uh, Cave and the gang stroll uh, on over to Najiri's turf, but for reasons that we will find out soon. Now, told of their coming, the Najiri plan to kill them all. But before they show up, there is a mutiny. Lord Ungus kills the previous lord and then takes over the Najiri. Cave is very comfortable as the trip takes them into an actual cave. Suddenly, however, they are attacked by a ghost bat. There's a big white flying thing that sort of looks like a manta ray. Yeah. Uh, one of the laser monks, Brother Telen or Telen, sacrifices himself so the rest can escape. Cave is told that th- that is their oldest tradition. Uh, Cave and one of the laser monks discuss the practice of martyrdom, uh, and the laser monk agrees that it doesn't really sit well with him. Yeah, and of course, Chloe's kind of making, looks like she might be making time with this guy. She seems to get seems some like it, yeah. hunky dudes in every uh, story arc, but tells him that she's a princess, though she didn't find that out until pretty recently. A caption reminds us that all went down in their previous run. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, so you can check out those trades, I think. Uh, Chloe tells the laser, this laser monk that she's not with her people because she prefers to do her own thing. Plus, her dad needs her. That's what she's telling herself. Cave overhears the conversation. He looks very sad about it. Mm-hmm. Do- Dr. Mark Barstow finds some pink crystals. Uh, the energy readings he gets are amazing. And I, I got to think these are connected in some way to the shards. Right. Okay. Those, the, those time traveling shards. I mean, they, they haven't said it, but I feel like the color pink is just too. You know, how can everything it's, be pink in this yeah. place? <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that that that's not said in the comic. That's just me. Uh, I'm just guessing. Finally, Cave and the crew make it to their destination, which is the chamber. Hey. And this is a big cavern with a glowing ball hovering near the ceiling. It's either dripping a golden fluid or sucking it up. It's hard to. Say. I think it's dripping. 
but it's not. I'm not positive. Yeah. Uh, this is where the laser monks get most of their pink crystals, and one explains to Cave that they use these gems to focus their telekinetic abilities. Chloe tests the golden fluid coursing through the cave and comes up with a sample. It's full of creatures. Mm. And then now the Najire are closing in on Team Cave's position. Lord Ungus is advised that they have reached the chamber. And then there's another mutiny. Uh, the new lord, Gout, shoots his head off. As it falls, the head, that is, ejects some of, some kind of creature. One that looks suspiciously like the creatures Chloe found in that fluid stuff. Uh, now, uh, Cave is giving Chloe's sample the once-over with his cybernetic eye and discovers that they are indeed parasites feeding on energy. Cave suspects that this might have something to do with the laser monks and Najiri's endless conflict. So it's time to break out the mind diver. Whatever the hell that is, yeah. <laughs> we will find out presumably next issue. In the next issue. Uh, I did like when they showed how Cave was examining the uh, sample. It, like, projects yes. him inside of it. Like, it's almost inside, like, yeah. Uh, that was kind of a cool way to, to show that was happening. Uh, now, the backup, it's another episode of Cave Carson's podcast that he records with Chloe. And he remembers the time that Team Carson encountered some interdimensional travelers with ant heads. And it looks like one of them got trapped in a tube. An ant head in a lab suit says, this is bad mojo. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got to say, this is one of the better uh, backups I've seen. It's the best backup. Well, probably the best. <laughs> I, I can't think of another better one, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, you know, I mean, there was that one uh, with the Jack Cole's other character, Midnight. That, yeah, it looked I thought, cool. I thought it was just... real pretty, but I couldn't make heads yeah. or tails of what the heck was going on in there. But uh, this, this, is, this is actually like, it's not immediately important to the story. We'll see, though. It might end up having more to you do never with know, the main yeah. story. But it's actually not painful to read if you're enjoying Cape Carson's kind of a cool little look back at the Silver Age version of the team. And, like, uh, sure. they kind of put nice a reflection. Yeah. They, they put a little bit of a uh, spin on it, but it's not it's not exactly it's not like they turn into, like, rapists and pedophiles or anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, not make it too dark or anything. So no. uh, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying the rest of the comic. What do you think, Chris? I thought this was uh, probably the most solid book we've we've got this uh, this season uh, of Young Animal. I think this is it's not uh, it's not exceptional, but no. at the same time, it's not uh, it, I'm I'm not mad at it. So <laughs> I think that's a victory these days. Yeah, I felt like it was a good value for one thing. You know what I mean? For sure. For, for a four dollar book, I feel like I got four dollars worth of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I got six dollars worth. You know, but I got no. I I don't. I don't feel like this was uh, in We're itself yeah. a, a ripoff, you know. Uh, it's sort of this is a, definitely has a very Star Trek vibe, you know. But if they're gonna if they are gonna keep it, uh, you know, neat and quick on in in each instance, if they're gonna, it, I'm guessing they might be going to different planets or whatever. And if they're gonna do that, mm-hmm. I, I might end up enjoying it a lot. You know what I mean? This sure, could become a consistently sure. enjoyable comic with occasional flashes of. Yeah. So nice special. space opera type of thing with a, maybe an overarching plot somewhere yeah. in there. Too. Yeah. I, I, I could definitely enjoy something like that. If this ends up being a four or five issue arc, then that might begin to wear on. Uh, we might get us. a little tired. We might get a little annoyed <laughs> at this. But yeah, I mean, if this, if this is a two, this looks to me like it could be a two issue story and then it could be great. Uh, sure. You know, the, but you're right. The, uh, you know, the trappings of it, the, you know, the endless war between two races on a planet and one of them is like super sacrificing and one of them is super uh you know martyr uh usurping each other what's the word i'm thinking of help me out mutiny is that yeah they're they're they're, they're in constant upheaval yeah but it, it, it's it just seems like it's 
uh, you know, very pet sort of uh, in its in like what it is. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I guess the word I'm thinking of is obvious, but I didn't do it, so uh, <laughs> can't be that obvious. But anyway, it, it it just feels like you know a sci-fi pulp story. And let me tell you, if that's if that's the worst it is, it's not bad at all. Uh, I ended up giving this issue a uh, hearty middle of the road 7.5 out of 10. I think it could be proud of that score. And if if it kept getting that score throughout, then this could be one of the collectible runs to get, you know what I mean? Just like a, a, a bunch of issues you like looking at. Uh, what do you think you would give it in uh, the alternate universe where you reviewed it? For... <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd give it a, a 7.5 as well. Seven, yeah. uh, I, and I was going to say I could be talked up or talked down, but I don't think I can because I don't think I'd give it an 8, and I don't think I'd give it a plain 7. I, so I, I really feel the same way, yeah. I, was yeah. Really, I might be talked down to a 7, but I definitely would be... You know, give it a real hearty, I'd be mean, like a seven. Sure. But yeah, give it a look. Seven um, with a bullet. <laughs> like, you know, I would definitely say if you've been marching along with Cave to this point, you just keep on going down that path. Yeah, you're you won't gonna, be disappointed. You're not yeah. going to be disappointed. It was it was a cool issue. Had a good time with it. Uh, like all the characters, like Mark Barstow, too. Um, sure. You know, I, I liked Wild Dog in, uh, in the, in the other, first one. In the yeah. first one, but it wasn't like I was so attached to him that I feel like this cannot work without him, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was he was there mainly to have freakouts and then shoot the big guns, which shoot is things, yeah. <laughs> that's what he does best. So uh, good job, young animal team. But boy, mm-hmm. do we have a treat next week, huh, Chris? We do. Uh, we have Mother Panic Gotham AD yes. number two. That's what we're so talking we are, about. Yes. Yeah, so we're following up on that, and uh, I do have some bad news. We're about to put to rest. Our longest running running gag. Why is that? That's right. It's because it, it actually is almost definitely like 88% sure <laughs> yes. that Doom Patrol 11 is coming out next week. We do have, uh, we have our it. comps, so it does exist. And I, I, haven't, I haven't read it, but I did run through it. So I know there are a full number of pages, you know, sometimes they might rip there, you off. There, is, there are words, there are pictures. It, yes. was, it wasn't one of these things where you got a stack of bills and it was a newspaper in the middle with two bills on the outside, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, you open it up and it's actually just a reprint of an old uh, Kupperberg Doom Patrol. Yes. It's, it's a brand new, brand new story, but, uh, you know, as we were talking before the show, there is always the, the possibility that there's something in there that will make DC pulp. The yes. run before, so it could still get pulled before uh, the on sale date, but I we don't think that's going to happen. So assuming it doesn't happen, we'll be back here next week to talk about these two books. Mm-hmm. So that'll be nice. But uh, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris got anything else for him? No, you know it's a we we go by pretty quick when we're not really angry at a book. It's true. So. We don't have anything to complain about. There's all good things to say. Uh, and I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely very curious about Doom Patrol, and it's going to be tough for me to look at this book objectively. Uh, sure. In fact, I'm going to say it's impossible, but I'm going to do the best I can to give a, be fair. But uh, I'm I'm excited to look at Mother Panic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I was yeah. we were impressed by the last issue, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm looking forward to checking that out. So, um, I got two young animal books on my plate to mm-hmm. munch up on for next week, and that's <laughs> that's uh, not a horrible feeling or thing. It's true. But uh, that's all we got for him, Chris. I think I'm going to tell them all to keep it young and animalistic. See ya. Razor blade, check. Big guns, check. Ammunition, check. Body armor, check. You violate the team, you know what this means. War. This means. War. This means. War. Razor blade, check. Big guns, check. Ammunition, check. Body armor, check.
Tech, you violate the team, you know what this means. War. This means war. This Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. to the Young Animals segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have two, that's right, two Young Animal what? books to talk about in one episode. It's almost incredible because don't they have four comics currently, Chris, that come out weekly so it pretty much works out well, one per one yeah, week, right? Yeah. I don't know what that other comic could be, but we're going to start with the regular, regularly expected comic for this slot. And uh, sure, what is sure. that one? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think we've done two young animal books in one in one show since September of last year. Has it been that long, really? And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I know that there was a time where we had a couple of double ups, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, not in a long time. Dickens it's been... were slim for a while. There were some fallow <laughs> weeks where we did no books, if you recall. Zero. So. so uh, <laughs> Yeah, now it's feast or famine with this young animal uh, team. Indeed, and we're going to start with Mother Panic, Gotham AD number two, by Jody Hauser, Ibrahim Mustafa, Jordan Boyd, and Paulina Gauchin- Gauchino? 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 I don't know. Gauchino. Sure. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, we open with a postcard. It's a touristy look at Robinson Park that... Might be named after somebody. I, no, I, I think it I, probably I reckon, is. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, this park is a pristine nature preserve in the heart of New Gotham, and as we peer ever closer, we can see that the flora might be a bit gnarly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, finding out about this irks the leader of the collective, and if you remember, that's Gala, the blood painter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she demands that her people perform a little bit of spin in order to render the situation politically usable. Also in Robinson Park, Mother Panic is looking for that contact. Uh, you remember she met with the Joker last issue, mm-hmm. and he sent her to find the cat. And she hops in, and upon landing and fighting her way through the foliage, Mother Panic is faced by a pair of tigers. Instead of attacking, they actually guide her deeper into the woods. Oh, I think I saw this in a Disney movie once. Yeah, they. Uh, I walked... think so. And then a butterfly landed on her finger. They were like, "Come with us. We we take you to the Tiger Village. You know, whatever." <laughs> Well, this Tiger Village is just a small collection of cabins, and this is where we meet the cat. Oh. Yes, and she immediately assumes that Violet is part of the collective. Yeah, which isn't a bad assumption to make. Cause she no, is, not, she not, is, not in New Gotham, no. No, but she is dressed in her Mother Panic uh, outfit, which makes her look very weird. But uh, So Violet informs her that she needs her, to help to, her help to bust her mother out of Arkham, all while the branches appear to be petting her. Uh, the cat notes, notes that Ivy must like her. Cat mm. tells Mother Panic that she'll do what she can and to be at a drainage pipe the following night. After Violet leaves, the cat goes back inside and remi- admires her old Catwoman costume. That's right, folks. The cat is Catwoman. If that was if that was going to be a shocker, <laughs> there there it was the uh, bombshell. Uh, inside Arkham, Gala is stomping around and observing her staff creating new horrors. We learned that the hero that they were focus grouping last issue was actually intended as a villain. 
We watch him cause havoc on the streets of Gotham, which allows the GCPD to swoop in, take him out, and appear as heroes in front of the Gotham public. Just, just more political spin doctoring out of the collective. Uh, elsewhere, the Joker makes an arsenal out of balloons because we had to have the Joker, right? We were <laughs> right. pretty much sure we're going to see the Joker in every issue of Mother Panic for uh, foreseeable, <laughs> at least this arc, I would think. Sure. Uh, he's, uh, he's captured by some dudes in sanitation-type uniforms and tossed in the back of a van. We pop over to the Mother Panic compound where Violet prepares for her rendezvous with the drainage pipe, so we're going to assume it is the next day. Uh, Fennec Fox, our friend, wants to go with her, but Violet says no. And it's really kind of funny seeing Mother Panic actually acting something like a mother here. Yeah. Uh, which it, is uh, not something I expected. It's, it's Her whole role has changed, but we'll talk about that when we wrap Certainly. it all up. Yeah. Now Violet leaves and tells Ratcatcher not to let Fennec leave after her. But once she's gone, he totally lets her go. He's like, okay, go ahead, whatever. Uh, Now, Fennec confronts a GCPD glider cop and acts all coy. She pretends to have been separated from her mother on her way to a costume party or whatever and uh, is in need of help. The officer says he doesn't like her attitude, but he'll send someone to pick her up. Uh, Now, at the drainage pipe, Mother Panic meets up with Catwoman. But not that Catwoman. This is a different Catwoman, we think. She yeah. says, you're not her, and that's, that's all we're going to go with. Uh, and they head through the sewers in order to break into Arkham. And we wrap up inside Arkham, where Gala is chatting up Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Of course, yeah. Because, of course, Harley's going to show up here, too. Yep, and as usual, you had nothing to say about the uh, backup. The what? <laughs> there, there is a backup. <laughs> and it actually, it shows, uh, it's a story told from the Joker's point of view, where he... Uh, Kind of talks about why he went the way he did. What he doesn't really tell you exactly what happened, but how like Batman disappeared, and like that old Joker story, he lost his uh, other half and his other half. Yeah. Didn't know what to do. He even went good for a little while, tried harassing other heroes, and it just wasn't the same because it wasn't that old bat magic. So uh, it's uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing bad, nothing, nothing yeah. great. But uh, you know, it's uh, there. It is. But what did you think? How'd you like this issue? I dug it. Um, yeah. It uh, yeah, it was a quick synopsis because at the end of the day, not a whole lot happened. But it, uh, I feel like we're still in the world building portion of the of the yeah. new Gotham uh, landscape. Well, it's co- it's and, concise, but you were able to describe the issue. You know, you you know what happened, sure. and that's uh, sometimes in this line a <laughs> huge a boon. You know what I mean. <laughs> But uh, uh, this was uh, this was really uh, I, I like the way that they're setting things up. I I appreciate the because uh, I wasn't I, I wasn't sure they were going to be so on the nose about the the spin doctoring. Yeah, like I thought that was going to be just something that we were like supposed to pick little bits and pieces up uh, on throughout. But uh, I'm glad they just dropped the entire thing on us here. It's like okay, well the collective is trying to skew perception, right? Uh, to make sure that they're needed and ingrained in new gotham culture or whatever and here's how uh, they're doing it you know what i mean yes, yeah like yes, here's absolutely. the ways and means that they're that they're doing this and they're making it very clear they're telling they're telling a story it's not just all sort absolutely. of like what's happening here because yeah, uh, we thought that that one character was a hero they were creating last time and to, he, to see him here he was actually like a prop villain just right. to be just built to be taken down in front of people so it was, that was pretty cool but that's sort of a hero in its way, isn't it? But yeah, that that was definitely mm. kind of the uh, the switcheroo for us, you know what I mean? And we see like their full extent of the plan of the collective is much uh, deeper and more interesting than we than we thought. I, you know, I and we said this during the week. 
Um, you know, we talked here, obviously, they have to use the Joker. They're going to, of course, pull out sure. Harley Quinn. They're going to use uh, a lot of the toys that they want to from Gotham. But something about this being this alternate future, this Mother Panic verse, uh, mm-hmm. coupled with the fact that we did get, you know, a, a, a volume before this that really did bring the character into focus and, and tell us who, who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm I'm cool with this as it's it forgivable right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it really is. It's because it's not they're not touching continuity, obviously, and it really has slid and into it's still it's, Violet's story. It's uh, it's totally her story, and that's yeah. the other thing is it's allowed her to become even grow more and become a different type of character, like you said. Like now she's she's become quite selfless. She's still very brusque, mm-hmm. but she's taking care of Fennec Fox, the character find of uh, 2018, yes. and uh, she's. You know, really single bondly going to after get her mother back here, and she's not mm-hmm. really the spoiled rich girl that we sometimes saw in the first volume. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying this direction. And yeah, uh, as far as like you know, like nuts and bolts comics, I feel like this whole direction it's been earned. It's clearly mm-hmm. laid out. It's explained. It's interesting. Uh, still not my favorite character, but as a story. It is really growing on me a lot, and uh, absolutely, I think it's that's a nice thing. What'd you give it on the uh, on the old website? I gave it an eight out of ten. You know, I was kind of floating between a seven point five and an eight. I think I'm going to go with an eight on this too. It really was uh, just a, just a fun thing, and it's and it's building momentum instead of losing absolutely. momentum, which is uh, more common. I you know you see that in comics. <laughs> yes. I wonder if they're going to do three issue arcs like they did in the first volume. That would it be seems cool. like it, doesn't it? It yeah. does kind of seem like it because we're about to go into Arkham. This we're in be, Arkham, yeah. Uh, this could be the end. If it, if it does that, then this is even going to get more kudos and applause from me. For but sure. There's another book that we're going to talk about here that is not going huh? to get kudos and applause from me. Chris. <laughs> uh, the long, long, long awaited uh, finale. We to, think, right? To Doom Patrol. Oh, God. This. Please. I mean, you know, it is Doom Patrol number 11, and yeah, Gerard Way can say whatever the hell he wants. I'm not buying a word of it anymore, you know what I no. mean? As far in terms of like when he's going to put out a comic, yeah. forget it. But this was written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington, Tom Fowler, and Tamara Bonvillain, with a special thanks to Jeremy Lambert. Hmm. I don't know why, but I have a feeling, or who, yeah, or who I don't even know who that is, but <laughs> I have a feeling it might have something to do with the dialogue or scripting, maybe, <clears throat> possibly. Anyway, so uh, this is it, folks. This is the big oversized. Remember, this is the last issue. This is supposed to tie it all up, and it's gonna, you know, this is gonna, you know, the Send big us home happy denouement yeah. of the Doom Patrol. <laughs> so uh, on the first page, a clown juggles balls. All captions tell us how difficult that is. It feels like something in the way of an explanation apology to me, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, On the next page, we find that the clown was juggling behind a television on the floor, uh, black and white western movies on the television. Some Play-Doh-headed toddlers are in a semicircle watching, and we'll find out who they are in a minute. Uh, I think the shapes of their heads are the same as those artifacts under the glass in the retcon lobby. Do you remember this? I mean, this is now we're talking about... Vaguely. From three months ago? Yeah, I believe... I believe that's yeah. I, I, I that's kind of what I'm remembering, <laughs> but it does, it's been so long. I don't. I'm not sure, and I don't have the issue anymore. So uh, the Doom Patrol plus Terry Nunn having recently given birth to her and Casey Brink's baby, which is something that we actually find out in Milk Wars. We don't know that here. All right, guys, we do. When know does that Milk here. Wars come out? <laughs> 
Oh, we'll talk about that too very soon. Uh, they have crashed into the lobby of Redcon. That's where we left issue number 10. They all crashed into the lobby of Redcon in yes. final heaven. Uh, employees are sifting through the wreckage, taking samples. They take Terry Nunn's baby, who's like a cutout, just like Haxel on the Star Archer, like he's not part of the whatever drawing or something. Yeah, he's got like the dotted line. He's all, and he's all yeah. white, you know, like, yeah, he's been, he's been cut out of the thing. And they all stick a sample of gum from the Solo Cliff sneaker and armed guards march everyone away. Uh, in that same location, Redcon employees are staging Superman's origin, but this time it's imbued with milk. There's a very good looking 1930s. Superman rocket colliding into the looks like a shard of something uh, above a carton of milk And yes, we know this is the reality warping milk from the milk wars event And we uh, we also know having read milk wars that this is how they create milkman man out of Terry and Casey's baby But we're not supposed to know that bombshell yet. So <laughs> this this whole scene just looks like who knows what right <laughs> now meanwhile the doom patrol faces haxalon crazy jane seems to know him uh she's been here before with uh, danny the brick and now she wants to take haxalon down but he knocks her out and sends her into her mental subway station thingy while her body lie motionless then haxalon treats us to his secret origin a chinese factory had a surplus of little green light bulbs so they made an action figure haxalon that would help unload them the light bulb was in its chest. This led to other merchandise, you know, like cartoons, comic books, yada, yada, uh, until it was learned that prolonged exposure to these green light bulbs could leave children in a catatonic state. The parent company of Haxalon was sued out of existence. And then Haxalon, the fella telling the story, was stripped of his identity and uh, thusly became a cutout thing, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. That, is that what happens when a uh, company goes out of existence? I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so free from existence, Haxalon found Retcon in Final Heaven, and there he found they were creating and selling hyper-realities, which we know they do sort of from Milk Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lording over them was the god of superheroes. It's funny, we know this guy's name from Milk Wars was Al, A-H-L. Yeah, which is a character Steve Orlando created that he's been using in some in Supergirl or something like this yeah, or JLA. Yeah. That's what I'm sorry, uh, but um, they don't mention it here. Anyway, I, I just no. want to throw that in the world. <laughs> they don't they don't say the name Al, but we know that's who it's supposed to be. Uh, Haxalon wanted his job as the god of superheroes, so he found out that the god of superheroes' only weakness was a brick that could think. And as luck would have it, Crazy Jane showed up with just that very item. Speaking of Crazy Jane, in the present, she's on a mental subway ride trying to figure out where to go. Uh, we get the feeling there. You're kind of going everywhere here with this story. Uh, now back to Retcon, Cliff learns that he's just fan fiction. A version of Cliff that's still in love with Crazy Jane. I guess what he's saying is one that didn't go through the Rachel Pollock, Arcudi, Byrne, or Giffen runs. Is that right? I mean, that's essentially so, yeah. negating all of those runs, which... Uh, didn't did not rub me the right way, Chris. I gotta tell no, you, no sir. Did no, not sir. like reading that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's explained that when he was that he was injected into the world via an infected lamb that became the gyro eaten by Sam in the first issue. And there we have the reason for the cover, the one that had a microscopic cliff on it. If you remember way back in that first issue, uh, even the attending flies have meaning that. We don't give a shit about it, aren't even going to describe <laughs> Well, Grant Morrison used flies, oh, right? Oh, for God's sake. But I, gotta, that's, that's I was like, Grant Morrison's sim, uh, symbolism. I, I really looked at that. I was like, I could write this down, and I could demean myself and everyone listening, <laughs> or we could just 
Just if it has meaning, folks. Just take my word for it. Yes, trust us. Uh, now, Axelon explains that those Play-Doh-headed children are the Eonymous. Yeah. So uh, like, kind of like Anonymous, but with Eon in front. Exactly. Or Eponymous, but Eon. Without a P. Yes. I don't know. Without the P. Uh, now, these uh, Eonymuses are uh, television-addicted gods who would rather watch TV than to destroy the universe. While all of this exposition is happening, a piece of clay put down by a retcon employee begins transforming into a garishly dressed woman. And it uh, turns out that it's Rita Farger, yeah. so you know. We'll let you know that right now, up front, too, yeah. Now, Casey is mad at Axelon for playing with people's lives. And he reminds her that she banged her cat lotion. <laughs> um, Casey pointed out that he'd taken a sort of humanoid form at that yeah. point, and it was his decision, so it wasn't anything weird. It's true. There, that was not a— yeah, It was consensual. Was, yep. Yeah, it was consensual. Uh, and now Haxalon is going to reenact his marriage to Starlene from the comic books. So he married a Starlene in his comic books. Yeah. This time taking the role of Starlene is Rita Farr. Rita cannot really converse with anyone just yet because she is still congealing. Yeah, she looks all, like, melty and whatever. Now, uh, meanwhile, in a back room somewhere, a smoky back room, Retcon makes Mr. Nobody a deal. They'll let him do anything he wants in their special television studio, but he has to broadcast incessantly to placate the Eonymous and keep them from destroying the universe. He's okay with this, but the rest of the Brotherhood of Nada, they're not into that, they split. Uh, except for his daughter, Terry Nunn. She's kind of annoyed at this new development, though. She's, this isn't how she planned to spend the... Uh, the rest of her life, I guess. Uh, and she's sort of curious about that baby, right? She hmm. had somewhere. Didn't she have a baby around here, she said? Wasn't that pregnant? Uh, anyway, so Mr. Nobody explains that Terry cannot leave. He created her. So where he goes, she goes. Why is that follow? I'm not sure. But yeah. uh, even though they were not near each other for like the first nine issues of the series, so I don't really right? understand what that has to do with anything. <laughs> but just as Haxalon's about to kiss the bride, some gun-wielding stormtroopers, and not the Star Wars kind, some more, like, mechanical-looking stormtroopers, uh, smash through the skylight and start shooting everyone. Cliff and Flex Mentolo protect the bulk of the attending guests, and television from the, the Eonymous goes dark. And now, maybe reenacting more from the comics, Haxalon shoots Rita Farver in the gut. I wasn't really sure why that happened. Yeah. Uh, she's elastic, though, so the bullet bounces right off of her and hits Haxalon. Hate it when that happens. Uh, then retcon employees and some laser rifle-wielding monsters barge in. They collect Rita and take her to a new reality. And this would be the strange torture that she endured during the last issue of Milk Wars. Yeah. Of course. Um, now, in Crazy Jane's brain, she confronts other Crazy Janes. They tell her she was a healer even before the Gene Bomb. And by Gene Bomb, they're referring to the DC Comics event Invasion that ran from January through March 1989 cover. And that was concocted by Bill Mantlo and Keith Giffen. Had a little Todd McFarlane art in there, too. That's right. And Copperberg wrote a little bit of it, too, I believe. <laughs> he did, yes. Yep. I think so. Uh, now, this is enough for uh, Crazy Jane to snap back into reality. While Haxalon drags his dying form to the Doomsday button, which will end the television transmission, and the Neonymous uh, to the knee to the Eonymous, well, <laughs> and and bring about the end of the world, maybe if they decide to destroy the world, right? Thing, right? Something like this. Uh, uh, Crazy <laughs> Jane goes over to Haxalon and touches his face, and this causes Haxalon to fall. And now we can finally see him for real. He's no longer a cutout with that copyright stamp across his body. And he looks, 
well, he looks just like that toy that we saw earlier in the flashback, which totally makes sense since the toy was based on him. Yeah, exactly. Although it's funny, Heck you know, of a reveal. It's the whole time we were like, is this like a fake Thor or something? It's obviously right? <laughs> we never were going to know who it was. It was never. I was hoping it was going to be like a reveal, but there was no real reveal yeah, for we, us since this isn't a real character we, that ever. Existed. We were looking for breadcrumbs, and then yeah, there wasn't any. There wasn't. It was a total. It was a total new thing. So. The Neonymous are watching this on television, and they dig it for now. Next up is Mr. Nobody, whose first show is his tap-dancing daughter, Terry. This must be a reference to Shirley Temple or something like that. Um, and now it's Casey Brink's old EMT partner, Sam, his wife, and one-time member of Crazy Jane's cult, Valerie, and their devil-worshipping son, Lucius. They show up to say, hey, remember us? We're somebodies. Uh, <laughs> they're back from the Demonscape, where they vanished to in the last issue. Uh, we don't fault you for not remembering. We barely remember, too. It kind of just happened yeah. in a panel. That was it. Uh, his appearance brought the Doom Patrol some time while they fight off uh, some random retcon monsters. And now he must be going. Goodbye. Thank you. I will take my, uh, you know, actor's check and whatever, my royalties mm-hmm. for my appearance. <laughs> uh, they hop back into Danny the Ambulance, and they're in Danny Land again, which is obviously in the back of the ambulance. And they're on a carnival ride of whirling bees. Why, it's Lotion the man cat. The gang's all back together. Yay. Look at this, everybody. It's all oh, goodness. So Casey and Fug, who, if you recall, vanished also during Milk Wars, but whatever, prepare to drive <laughs> Danny the ambulance to the into the reality shard that will take them back to Earth. Maybe, I think, I don't know. Possibly. Um, setting off the events of Milk Wars, despite the fact, like I say, Fug and Lotion did not even appear in that story at all. And I, nope. did, I did wonder where Fug was the whole time, because he is... I consider him a member of the Doom Patrol, even though he doesn't really do much except for play, play tapes in his play gross tapes in his stomach or whatever. But uh, uh, also, the last caption suggests that we check out the Milk Wars trade collection <sighs> coming in June. And to that, I say, fuck this book. Fuck it twice. Fuck it twice. Exactly. Uh, what? An abomination. So I'll tell you, Chris, this mm. I wrote in my review, uh, and I'll say it here. I really wanted to review this issue on its own merits, okay? It's, of course. It's, it's very late, you know, obviously it's coming. It is the problem yeah, we that can't change about, the past. Exactly. So it, yeah. Those problems, scheduling problems are inherent, and they're, they're, but let's talk about just this book. And it was an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much from beginning, I can't really think of a part of it. There were a lot of concepts that mm-hmm. I would have, I would have been fine with, and I would have loved to see them explored a little more. Some that I not don't really care so much about, but you know that that is what it is. Sure, uh, we got none of that. It basically no. was a straight info dump from beginning to end. All the shit that they they left untied. They, why they even bothered uh, hiring Nick Darrington, who who I think did a uh, another great job drawing. Of course, well, yeah. What a waste! Just fucking write it out, write it. It's we the amount of reading you have to do for the thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I it's it's <laughs> ludicrous that that we got this much information in the last issue of the series. That the and big, in order in order to actually appreciate all of it, you need to go back in your long boxes and pull out the other things that they're touching on because it's been forever. It's been forever since we even like broached a lot of these things. I would have yeah. been happy. If we never talked about lotion the cat again, like who gives or Lucius, who cares? I know, like that. That was obvious. I mean, part of it is you got to know when you got to cut your losses, and you know, (laughs) going going back to the scheduling problems, and obviously the thing that 
truncated this. I mean, this is clearly, you know, two issues of story or more in one. At least, yeah. Uh, you know, stuff that was supposed to be expanded over an issue was was not. It was just sort of crammed in and explained away. Uh, you should cut your losses and say, you know, it would have been nice. I really wanted to explore this satanic angle with Lucius. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get to it, so fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. there's a yeah, point you got to just say that. Same thing with lotion. I would have loved to explore this relationship with lotion, but it never happened. So, because all all we get now is we might as well have have had lotion come in in the last panel and say, hey, "What are you guys doing without me?" You know, like he yeah. didn't do anything. There was nothing. <laughs> Where you been? What's going? Same thing with same thing with Lucia. Same thing with a lot mm-hmm. of things in here. Uh, Terry Nunn. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of like shunted her off to the side. They had to get rid of her. So, she was like very uh she was very mysterious at the start. We yes. didn't know she just crashed at Casey's apartment. Nobody knew why or who. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, okay, well we'll just have her tap dancing for eternity now. That's it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I was like, what an absolute waste of our time a and, property. Our, and our character. Yeah. Uh just an absolute disappointment. The only saving grace of this issue, and also I'm gonna talk about the series. Uh, I really personally like Nick Darrington's art. Uh, I, yeah. I, I just like it. I think it. I think it has a great look. I think it's been good for this kind of a series because it has this cartoonish but also very palpable, very rounded look to it. That looks sure. It's it's kind of straddles that uh, line between a more realistic bent, but also uh, you know this cartoonish, crazy, surreal look. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like been... cartoonish, but not animated series. No style, it's, it's if that not. makes any sense. And, and you know, anatomy is all correct and everything, and it's not really playing too loose with that kind of thing. So uh, that is the only saving grace. This series, uh, the first arc is is okay, right, Chris? Yeah, Remember? the first and... arc was. We were excited for the. What was the issue three? I think you gave a ten out of ten. I gave issue three a ten out of ten. That's again yeah. one of my bigger regrets now. If I had known where this was going. <laughs> I don't probably still would have given it a high high score, but I would have never gotten. Well, that was high. that was 2016, wasn't it? No, that was that was that long ago. It was two years ago now, two Septembers ago. Do you remember? Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's uh, what a disappointment. Really, so bad. And remember that six issue was where we started to see some cracks. If you recall, yeah, it was a little bit late. Bit there, yeah, and then. That whole story of Crazy Jane that looked that felt like it should have been more issues all got dumped in one issue. Mm-hmm. She went from being, you know, like submerged in her head to busting out, and Valerie came out. So, uh, but that first arc, I would still say, is pretty solid. If you've sure. been holding off, uh, the rest of this fucking series has just been like falling down a flight of stairs backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not enjoyable. Um, a major disappointment. I don't know. I really don't know how else to put it. Uh, I I still think I'd have to do a comparison, Chris. I still think the burn run is is worse. Just oh, a, yeah, yeah, just on the merit question. that it's way without more question, boring. Yeah. It really is just yeah, more boring. Because at least this this we can get kind of riled about. Yeah. The burn thing, the middle finger was at the start of the burn thing. He's like, hey, you like that Morrison stuff? Well, that never happened. Yeah, it did. And then, and then from there, it kind of got, it, it dulled in every sense of the word. It, <laughs> it, it seemed like that's all he wanted to do was just to erase the more. He, no, he didn't have any or plan B after that. Like, what do I there do There was nothing the else after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I I think I definitely say this is better. And like I say, there's a lot of concepts. I kind of like the concept of a toy property created because there was a surplus of green light bulbs. Because that's like a real thing that happens. That's stuff that happens uh, in the real world. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think it's funny, you know. And like they could do things with it, but they did nothing with it. It was a total waste. I hate the fact that the reveal of this Haxalon 
as a new character. It's such bullshit. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you can say that, that that's not how they There's were no playing investment. it, but yeah. it really sucks. And then, an insult to injury tells us to go get the Milk Wars trade. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, you don't give a fuck about who's buying your comics or what. Um, nope. And uh, so, yeah, fuck this book. I gave it a 2.5 out of 10, and I would give that all to the art and the staples myself. Where would you be on this there? <laughs> I, I, in reading, I read this, uh, like, as soon as we got it, because I, yeah. wanted, I, I wanted to see if the last page said anything about it to be we went, we went right to the last page, actually, remember? <laughs> we were like, what? Yep. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to, see, we wanted to see if it was like, hey, just come see us real soon. But uh, <laughs> I, the... the uh, the uh, the thing with Cliff being fan fiction, okay. uh, a- any mention in a, in a comic book with with you know staples that goes on a shelf yeah. that mentions fan fiction in in anything other than a throwaway kind of way, that I, I feel like the book is mocking us. I, I have like, to feel like that too. Yeah, it's like it's like hey, you people invested in this character. Well, f you, because yeah. uh, because they're mine now, and this is what I'm planning. This, I mean, listen. It's comics, right? You know what I mean? It's, sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not my, this isn't the hill I want to die on, but of all the characters in the Doom Patrol, you pick the one linchpin. You pick the heart. The yeah. heart of the whole thing and say that he's not real and hasn't been real for, for several iterations. Mm-hmm. Well, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what gives you the right to do that shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically saying, implying, I think, extrapolate from that, that the Morrison run is the real run or whatever, you know? Like, the only run. Which is, which is, folks, it is nonsense, I'm telling you. I, every run except for that Burn run is worth a look. I, they really, they're really cool, you know? They really. And if you read the Giffen run before the Burn run, the Burn run is better. Really? Because <laughs> uh, Giffen makes a lot of the concept. Because he, Giffen didn't throw anything out. He didn't. He, he did. He, he reworked the Rita Farr concept and made it work. Yeah, he did a lot of yeah, cool he things. Brought, he brought, what is it? He brought that Mr. Negative from the Arcudi run, that, that kid. Mm-hmm. He brought him in. Uh, he fixed up the chief. I mean, he did a lot of stuff to make everything work because that was that post-infinite crisis where everything was kind of on the table again right. for a little while. So he took full advantage of that and just made the team made the team feel solid for the first time probably since Morrison's run. And uh, I, and this is just uh, <laughs> it just it, it angers me. It really is. Um, yeah, it angers me I, I think your two point five is more than fair, and I would uh, <laughs> I would go with that as well. And and it is all the art. I don't need to see Gerard Way's name on a book ever again. No, I'm not interested I, in I anything. I don't need Way. to see him, and I don't need to see the other young animal people uh, blowing him. On the letters pages, like, oh, he's our fearless leader. He, he can kiss my ass. Well, I mean, he is cutting the paychecks, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I no, would, just because it's so, just so lame. It really is. It's, uh, he's, he has failed us as comics readers, as Doom Patrol fans, but really mainly as comics readers, as, as people that, that, uh, you know, read and get and buy single issues. This is just a big fucking middle finger. People that Absolutely. really like the Doom Patrol and all their iterations, or you know, uh, you know, not every run of the Doom Patrol or a thing has to absorb every every aspect of past continuity. Sure. But you can't just shut the door on it. You know what I'm saying? You can't just, yeah, just say don't it didn't it happen. Just, just avoid it. it exactly. If you want, if you want this to be, and which is clearly what he wanted to be, the Morrison Suckfest, then be that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't don't pretend like you're you know 
you're uh, doing everything. Anyway, anyway, it's it's obviously it's it's gotten me too fired up. This really was a major disappointment. This whole series, and uh, hopefully we'll move past it on to. Hopefully I mean, we'll never have to mention it again. On the plus side, though, I mean the the other books in the Young Animal line are way better by comparison. <laughs> 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 you know, it really, really helps you to appreciate a little more a book like uh, Eternity Girl. But uh, <laughs> next week we do have Anne. Young Animal book, right? We have just one book. Uh, Shade the Changing Woman. Is this number three? Three. Three. Wow. We are marching along with that. Get ready for some some poetry and uh, (laughs) some darkness and uh, some very deep concepts. They'll finally explain what what the deal is with this. But uh, (laughs) that'll be for next week. But I think that's all the uh, anger and pile we got for this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Not a thing. Well, until next week, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. All alone here on a Friday After all the things